solihullradio.com. Welcome back to another Solihull podcast. On this podcast, we're going to chat through some of Solihull's top stories this week and also some of the fun things to do and see in town this week as well. My name is Claire Bullivant from the Solihull Observer and I'm joined in the studio with John Timms, the Operations Manager at Solihull Bid. Welcome to the studio, John. Thank you, Claire. <laughs> it's nice to have you here. It's just you and me today chatting through some of the news stories. First of all, it would be nice to find out exactly who you are and what you do at Solihull Bid. I keep hearing about Solihull Bid through Mel, obviously, and all the incredible things you do for this town. Um, so what's your what's an operations director? Oh, well, my uh, main role for the bid is to uh, manage and look after the town host team that you see. Those are the guys and girls walking around with the uh, purple, purple, yeah. purple uniforms. Um, so I'm in charge of those making sure that they're delivering really what uh, what was set out to be for all the businesses within the town centre and also obviously visitors. So so those guys you see there's quite a few of them aren't there that you see them walking up and down the high street and popping into all the businesses are they like sort of the liaison between? Yeah they, they, they've got a number of roles really there's four of them uh, we've got now and their role is to be the uh, sort of uniformed front-facing uh, face of the uh, the bid mm. so they do go into all the businesses they do uh, inform them of what's going on with the bid in general whether it's our events or festivals whether it's our awards process or if it's uh, a bit like you're going to be doing next the change into action in relation to homelessness mm. um, but they're also they're much more than that because they also engage with uh, retailers to help prevent shoplifting they identify uh, sort of low-level antisocial behaviour, monitor that, and if necessary, contact the police because they're all linked up with retail radios. So they've got this uh, network where they can call on uh, people to assist and focus them into the uh, right areas in the town that needs. Brilliant. So what a nice job you've got, really. You've got your finger in lots of pies around town and <laughs> you must know everything going on. And uh, I wish I did know everything, but uh, we, we know quite a bit, which is... Uh, good and we're always there to try and just make the general experience of Solihull that bit better for the people that come in. Well you do do an incredible job and it's really um, lovely of you to join us this week to chat through some of the news stories in Solihull. We'll start with the front page this week. This is about a chemo unit launching an appeal for a revamp at Solihull Hospital. So basically they're trying to raise £100,000 for the haematology and oncology day unit. What do we know about this? Um... I think it's a great idea because it's uh, it's not the unit themselves they're looking at funding. It's actually to uh, fund a, a welcoming, relaxing space within the hospital grounds for both those people that are undergoing treatment, but also for their uh, their family. And I think it's really important that people that are, are going through this uh, sort of treatment um, can have something positive to focus their mind on and being in a surrounding that gives them that uh, possibility, possible positivity sorry, to uh, just sit somewhere nice, a bit tranquil, hopefully take their mind off it for a few moments and have their friends and family around them. Yeah, I think it's so important. One of my best friends actually just had breast cancer and I went down for quite a few chemo sessions with her and this was in London. And she was very lucky because she had a private um, medical insurance at the time so she was in this beautiful private hospital but she was telling me about other people, sometimes on the NHS, it's, they, there's nowhere to go, they're all in one room together, there's nowhere for your family members to wait or anything. So I think it is so important, and it's such a horrible thing to go through, isn't it? So It is. It's uh, very, I mean, both my parents uh, 
suffered with uh, cancer and both different hospitals, but uh, unfortunately they didn't have anything like uh, what's being proposed here in Solihull to go. So it was a case of the only visiting was on a was on a ward with other people around, and, and they are just left on the ward when they're undergoing their treatment. And it's it's a bad enough time as it is without uh, being what is unfortunately quite a depressing mm. place is a ward because no one wants to be there anyway. No, exactly. And uh, not being able to have a bit of privacy and just a way time. I and they're talking about having a garden here as yeah. well, which would be lovely to be able to go outside and just relax in. And yeah, so I'm all for that. But we've also got other, another big story about um, Sony Hall Hospital this week. There's a chap who had chest pains and he basically... It was a big health scare, and he called the you know local hospital, Solihull yeah. Hospital, and wanted to come into A and E, but found out that there was no A and E department there, and obviously there hasn't been one there for six years. But he's now put together this petition. I think he's got over one thousand five hundred signatures to try and bring back an A and E department at Solihull Hospital. How important do you think this is, John? Well, I think it's vitally important. I mean, it's not just for uh, Solihull. I think it's for a lot of uh, hospitals within not only the region but the country that. Uh, are showing that uh, with cost uh, savings on the NHS, they're moving their A&E to more central units, but, you know, it's the distance mm. that you have to travel. I mean, Solihull, really accessible to a large number of people, and now the closest you've got is, depending on which side of Solihull you are, you're either looking at Heartlands or the, uh, the QE, which, uh, A, adds that journey time on, but B, it's, you're not in your, your own location, you're not in the area that you feel comfortable and happy with and where people can readily and easily get to you if necessary. Yeah, it's a few different bus routes and things yeah. to get there and, yeah, if you've got friends and family coming to see you. Um, you're out and about, obviously, on your, your staff are out and about. Do you hear this sort of thing from the people of Soli Hall? Well, yeah, it, it's quite strange, really, because, uh, obviously, one of the other things that... Uh, the town host to is they they deal with the initial first aid incidents so if we have people that uh, uh, trip over a slab for argument's sake or 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 have a faint um, they'll be normally they're one of the first on the scene if their initial first aid assessment means that they're going to require further treatment we obviously call the uh, ambulance service so you've got the you've got the bizarre situation where an ambulance will arrive to someone who's fallen over and needs hospital treatment in Solihull Hall Town Centre, and you've got a hospital that is less than a quarter of a mile away, yet the ambulance cannot take them to the A&E at Solihull Hall Hospital. They've got to take them to Heartlands, mm. which uh, it, ju- it just seems bizarre, I suppose, and I think people get frustrated, and when, when they say, oh, do you need to go to hospital, and they're thinking, well, Solihull Hall's just there. Well, no, we can't take you to Solihull Hall. It's going to be Heartlands or Warwick or somewhere like that. Yeah. And it, it's... I understand costs and everything like that, but it has got to be... Uh, I think at times I need to see the human factor and understand the public's perception. Were you here when they closed the A&E department? Yeah. Was, was it a big, massive event at the time, and were, did people make a big deal about it then? Oh, yes, there was, quite, uh, there was quite an uproar about it, in fairness, but it's a bit like all these things. Um, they're a fait accompli. Mm. People can complain, they can petition, they can moan but at the end of the day once certainly big public sector organizations have made up their mind it's like uh, trying to turn a 
a cruise line around on a canal. Yeah, absolutely. That's a very good analogy there, yeah. Um, well, we wish um, James Harvey, his name is, we wish him the best of luck, and he's got 1,500 1, signatures already. And if you'd like to um, join in that fight to try and bring back an A&E unit to the Solihull Hospital, do check out our Solihull Observer this week or on our website, page 5 this week, and um, join the petition, and let's see what we can do. More people... You know, no, signing hopefully, on, hopefully the better. Hopefully they can turn it around. Absolutely. Another story, this one's a bit of a worrying one, um, John. Just read this on page 13 of this week's paper. This is hundreds of children starting school this year in Solihull, in the district of Solihull, and they haven't been vaccinated. Well, I mean, it's obviously big news. Boris has been on the case, hasn't he, on the, on the news talking about it. But you don't think it happens in Solihull and here, and it's putting us all at risk, isn't it? It, it is. It's, again, this is another one of these uh, incidents where it's amazing what the power of social media has really done in relation to this, in that uh, several years ago there was a, a lot of uh, scaremongering or scare campaigns around the uh, MR, MMR jabs, which uh, unfortunately have grown legs and run, mm. and as a result of which people... Parents have uh, elected either not to get their uh, children inoculated at all or they've had the first uh, jab but then not had the follow-up jab. Couple that with uh, visits to European countries and further afield where perhaps the inoculation process isn't as robust as it has been over here, it's meant that their children have been sort of susceptible to these illnesses which has resulted in uh, measles actually being on the increase in our area, and they put that down to, A, them not having the second jab, mainly, and, B, the fact that people are going abroad and they're picking up these illnesses over there and bringing them back to the UK. I think you're totally right. I spoke to a couple of my friends who were mums this morning about this, and, yes, their children have all been vaccinated, but they thought long and hard about it before, and they said that they were terrified because they heard all these stories about, you know, their kids, different kids getting autism and all these things. And it's all kind of, as you're right, on social media. It's a massive scaremongering, isn't it? And what, what can be done? What can we do? I think it's a case of just trying to uh, re-educate. I mean, it, it, it never fails to amaze me how people are always quite eager to uh, take on board negative comments about something and believe them as true, mm. as opposed to accepting when a professional physician or something says, no, this isn't uh, the case, it is okay. Obviously, you're going to get the very occasional reaction because someone will always react to something if you took big enough numbers. Mm. But uh, they don't. Uh, people don't seem to want to buy into a truth. They'd rather buy into a scare, which is a bit of a disconcerting thing, really. Absolutely. But, um, oh, well, uh, just hopefully. I mean, the advice that was given to us writing the article, it was like, if you've got any doubts, contact your GP, do talk to them, you know, and let's um, try and get everyone vaccinated. It's horrible thinking kids are going to school and not just, you know, putting themselves at risk, but everyone else's children as well. Well, it is, and your children are your most precious thing, so Absolutely. think about that. Well, moving on to another story. This one really shocked me, actually. This is about 150 weapons have been handed in. They had this big surrender, they called it, of all their weapons in the area. And it's not just in Solihull. This is sort of reaching out across the West Midlands and into Birmingham. But 150 weapons, John, have been handed in. But what shocks me is... I was thinking about it. And if you're the sort of person who does have illegal weapons, 
why are you going to hand them in anyway? And where, where are these weapons coming from? Well, it's, uh, it's a very good point, and it's always one that uh, makes me think when they have these type of uh, amnesties, you have gun amnesties and knife amnesties, obviously. That was the word I was looking for. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and you do get people hand them in. I mean, a lot... Um, I know certainly some of them are uh, mementos from uh, previous uh, wars, for argument's sake. Mm. And then you've got people who have uh, suddenly decided, well, actually, no, is it really the right thing to have this line around the house? So they've taken the opportunity of handing it in. It would be very interesting, I think, if they could do some work and actually come back and say, out of all these weapons that were handed in, we know that X amount had been used in crime, which is great, we've got them off the street, as opposed to they're people who've had them as mementos or collections. Yeah. But anything to do to take weapons out of society is great, but you'd like to think that are they... Is this the best way of doing it? Is it... Are they targeting the people they need to target, really? Mm, well, I'm just looking at the photo in this week's paper on page four. And, you know, there's handguns in there. There looks like to be an almost like a machine-type gun there. I mean, who knows what, what, what the stories behind these. But you're right, I'd love to know. I'd love them to do a bit more of an investigation. Obviously, all the guns do, they say, do get sent away and tested to make sure that they haven't been involved in any yeah. crime. And after that, they're destroyed. But um, it just fascinates me. I'm really fascinated. I'm just... Um, I just... No, it's always very interesting as to who would, who would have them in the first place and then uh, who, by extension, would then hand them back yeah, in. Yeah, exactly. Who are those 150 people? Maybe That's it's it. one person <laughs> with 150 guns and they yeah. just thought, right, better do the right thing. Collection. Yeah, absolutely. Who knows? But yeah, you're right. It's good to get them off the streets. It is. Um, on to a nice story now, page 21. We spoke on the podcast a couple of weeks ago about the amazing father and daughter team that were walking along the canal and they saw all this rubbish. They couldn't reach the rubbish to get it out of the canal. So they went back and got their dinghy and jumped in the dinghy and cleared up all this, all this rubbish and just made the place look incredible again. And um, we've got another story like this. I think the good, the good deeds are spreading. Um, a lady walking again saw all these little ducks making their nest on plastic and everything in one of the ponds. This is at Knoll Park, I think. And um, so she came back with, you know, clad in her <laughs> waterproof outfit and rubber gloves and has gone in and cleared out all the rubbish from the pond. Art people are amazing sometimes. They are, and it's always nice to have a, uh, a story that actually makes you feel uh, good about uh, society. And I think uh, something like this is lovely on the one side and then sad on the other. It's great that someone's taken the time to tidy up this area and think of the wildlife and everything else and return it back as much as possible to its former glories, which is superb. On the flip side of it, you think, crikey, why are people throwing all this rubbish into the lake in the first place? There's no need for it. And so I applaud Claire here, who's doing all this work around the pond, and I think it's lovely. And I know the pond that uh, she's on about here in Knoll Park. And uh, ultimately, I think local people can really make this pond stay clean and tidy because it's going to be local people that are causing it mess in the first place yeah in the absolutely and um claire burrows her name is i forgot to mention her name and she also wants to fix a poster board up there to put information about what to feed ducks because many of us think that you feed ducks bread but i heard recently that that's really bad for them 
No, it's supposed to be very bad for them. Yeah, I didn't know that at all. I spent my childhood, I think, feeding ducks bread and, yeah, I've just heard, so... Well, they all go mad for it, don't they, whenever you... Yeah, (laughs) but why is it bad? It's kind of... I think it expands inside the... Blows up in them or something, yeah. Yeah, it expands inside the stomach. Oh, well, well done, Claire Burroughs. We applaud you and we love these stories. If you know anyone who's doing good like this to the community, do let us know because we'd love to do um, another feature on another amazing local hero doing something incredible. So let us know at the Solihull Observer. Um, Finally, our last story this week. It's um, GCSE results today and we've had A-level results last week and Solihull has been just like amazing once again. No, it's it's very good and it's, uh, I think what's made even... Uh, these results even better is the fact that you've had all the national news saying uh, how much harder the exams have got and therefore grades are going to fall as a result of it. Yet uh, schools and colleges within Solihull seem to have bucked the trend and have actually got increased and they're certainly above the national average which really does show a lot I think for A, the the effort that the pupils put in, but also uh, the quality of the schools and education within the area. Absolutely. And um, for those who didn't perhaps get the grades that they wanted to, don't panic. If you're listening to this podcast, there's so many of us that, you know, didn't get the right grades, and it's not the end of the world. I mean, I know Solihull College are doing a couple of open days where you can go and get amazing advice over the next couple of days, and, you know, university and that isn't for everyone, isn't it? Is it? You know, some people might want to just do it apprenticeship or they want to get into something different it, it really I mean how many times have you been asked for your exam results John not very often of late, I, I, that's I, for sure. I don't think but, I've been uh, asked since I ever left school I think you know no, I think you put it on your CV and that's it I mean it, it, it's the for me it's the person and the uh, skills and the qualities that they can bring yes it's great if you're uh, educated to a high level and you want to go into certain uh, fields you need that to get into there in the first place However, just because you don't get straight A's or A stars doesn't mean that uh, you're not going to make anything of yourself. And I think it's all about personal application and, and getting that break. So businesses and employers giving kids a break, letting them try and shine through. Because a lot of these pupils that perhaps haven't done as well as either they'd hoped or they're not necessarily as academically uh, gifted as others have a lot of other things that they can give and their own uh, personality can shine through given the time and their abilities can grow from that. Absolutely. I was interviewing um, a quite a well-known comedian a couple of weeks ago and he was telling me that he received four E's in his (laughs) A-levels. Four E's. And now he's actually a very, very successful comedian. So, yeah, there's hope for everyone. Don't don't you worry. Um, John, you've been amazing chatting through the news stories this week. And, um, yeah, if you do have a news story for us at the Solihull Observer, do get in touch with us. And also, stick with us, because we'll be straight back with some of the best things to see and do this week in town. Welcome back, and I'm still with John, and we're going to chat through some of the best things to see and do this week in town. And we're starting off on Friday, the 23rd of August. And I told you about this before, but there's some school lever advice happening at Solihull College and the University Centre. Um, for all you people out there who may have had your exam results and aren't quite happy enough with them but there's help at hand so go along and chat to the experts and they can tell you different options available for you whether it is if you want to go on to college or university or perhaps an apprenticeship etc they've got some incredible courses haven't they at Solihull College wonderful courses and very very good college yeah so do get yourself along there 
between 9am on Friday and up until 2pm and there'll be all sorts of people that you can talk to and just get some good advice. It's good that they put on things like this, isn't it? It is, it is. It's nice to see. And following that, you might want to... Maybe you're the one celebrating. So maybe you should get yourself over to the Top of the Pops at Pop World in Solihull. Will you be there? Um, if I am, I certainly won't be there till 4am when it finishes, that's I for sure. I can't believe it stays open until 4am. Yeah, it's... Um, I mean, it's great for Solihull that we've got a nightclub that's partying all night every week. It's good. And it's only been open for a couple of weeks now, uh, Pop World, since... Uh, it revamped the old uh, walkabout that was there. So uh, it's proved very popular, I know. But 4am uh, is a bit rich for me. We're, we're going to have to get the Sony Hill bid team there one week just to, just to experience it, I think, <laughs> <laughs> for research. See if we can stay awake until 4am. 10 till 10.30. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Moving on to Saturday, the 24th of August. Did you know we're going to have a celebrity in town? No, I didn't. Not until I read this. <laughs> Paul Chuckle, he's going to be here. Um, I always feel sorry for him after his brother died, though, yeah. don't you? Yeah, I feel like, sad. yeah, I just they were such an amazing duo together. But he's also going to be in Solihull on Saturday, and you can meet him and hang out with him at the Solihull Pop World again. So, um, yeah, so maybe, maybe we don't go home. We just stay there all night and all day and hang out Call with... Call the weekender. Yeah. And hang out with Paul Chuckle. Moving on then to Sunday the 25th, it's uh, over to uh, the Elmden Park Litter Pickers, who are at uh, Tannhouse Farm Road, which is just opposite the Elmden Park play area. And uh, they're looking uh, to do a clean there, just for an hour, to uh, help clean Elmden Park clean and tidy. And this is from 9am in the morning. A real good bit of uh, social enterprise there, I think. Yeah, I love people who help out. I've done a couple of them, actually. And um, you meet some other really... It's a good networking thing. Do you know what? You meet the best of our society at these sort of things when you go and help out. So if, you have, if you're free Sunday morning, do get yourself there and um, help out our community. Um, also on Sunday, afterwards, there's a Dingle Fest 2019 happening at the Dingle. That's on Tanhouse Farm Road, B92 9EY is the postcode for your sat-nav. They're going to be having a barbecue there. There's the Blues taking on Swansea. That'll be on the big screen. There's going to be the brilliant Acoustica. They're going to be live on the lawn from about 3pm. And also in the evening, the Nutty Brothers are going to be joining everybody for a bit of entertainment and a disco and a karaoke. It sounds great way to spend a Sunday afternoon and evening, doesn't it? It does. Very enjoyable. I might pop along to that one myself, actually. And of course, we don't have work, do we, on Monday morning? So no excuse. We can carry on partying all Sunday night. (laughs) And uh, next, we're moving on to uh, Tuesday the 27th, where there's the uh, Testaments Book Club, The Handmade Tale, at uh, Waterstones on the High Street here in uh, Solihull. Hall. And this is the first of uh, two book clubs to celebrate the release of The Testaments by Margaret Atwood, and discuss the original book of The Handmaid's Tale. So uh, getting ready for its big release. And this is at uh, 5.45pm on Tuesday the 27th. I love a book club. I've seen The Handmaid's Tale on TV. Have you seen it? No, I don't. <gasps> it's terrifying. It's, it's kind of like what you can imagine the future turning to. It really is terrifying, um, but incredible. So I'm dying to read the books. I can't wait for the books to come out. But, um, yeah, sounds fun. Sounds very fun. And also what sounds fun is the pirate party happening on Tuesday for the little ones at John Lewis. This is going to be running all the way up until the 29th of August, 10am. There's going to be a story time and a pirate guest appearance. Tickets do cost £15 per child, but it does include a picnic bag and also a gift. And um, it's just a lovely thing to do, isn't it? And the kids love pirates, don't they? 
They do. Very popular. Very popular. Um, you should have said, oh, R. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Trickler. I do, didn't I? I'm, I'm just an amateur at this. <laughs> You're doing brilliantly. <laughs> um, and still keeping with the uh, things for kids to do theme, uh, Wednesday the 28th sees Tweet Tuu, which is at the Parkridge uh, Centre in Bruton Park from 10.30 in the morning till 11.30. And this is where the Warwickshire Wildlife Trust are going to be uh, doing a bird hunt, uh, making snacks for birds and giving tests and skills on how to uh, build nests for them. Now, this is something that's suitable for children from age two plus, which I think is great, really, getting kids at an early age interested in uh, nature. There is a cost of £3.50 per child, but I think what they're going to gain from it, from being able to identify all the different types of birds in the area, understanding what's best to feed them if you're going to feed them in your own garden. Don't be and like me and give them bread. Don't give them... Don't be like me and give them bread, yeah. <laughs> give them something proper to eat. Mm. Mm-hmm, absolutely. No, brilliant. They put on some great events, that um, Parkridge Centre, and the Warwickshire Wildlife Trust are just incredible, aren't they? They are. Let's see. Also, on Wednesday, the 28th of August, there's a beginner's folk art for adults and children happening at the core. This is Helen from Mindful Crafts. She's going to show you step-by-step how to paint simply beautiful designs using simple dotting techniques. These folk sessions are suitable for all children aged seven and above and also adults. Um, Sounds like a lovely thing to do. It does. And uh, finally for this week, we've got uh, this Thursday the 29th of August and it's We Love Little Mix, which is on at the core. So if you're a Little Mix fan, you're going to love this show. Which you obviously are, John. Oh, can you not tell? (laughs) (laughs) You L-O-V-E, Little Mix, don't you? (laughs) Oh, I do, I do. Uh, It features four fantastic singers and dancers who really are capturing the look, the sound and the feel of all the dance moves of one of the UK's best-loved girl bands. For more details on this uh, What's sure to be a cracking show? Go to www.thecoretheatresolihull.co.uk. Fantastic. John, you've been the most incredible co-host. Thank you so much. We're going to have to get you back on. It's just um, so great for us having your knowledge and knowing Solihull as you do. And thank you also for the amazing job that you do for our town. Thank you very much for having me on. Cheers. And thank you for listening to this podcast. If you have a story for us or if you have an event, do get in touch with us so we can let everyone know for you. My name's Claire and I've been with John and this has been the Solihull Podcast. (laughs) 